Welcome to the GamesNet Berlin Europe podcast. Here, we speak with extraordinary games industry professionals and listen to their story. To learn all about what they've built and who they are. GamesNet Berlin Europe is the international games industry initiative of MediaNet Berlin Brandenburg. The networking association for the media, creative and digital industries in Germany's capital region. My name is Simon Oller and I will be your host for this program. Today, we are speaking with Jonathan and Leonard from Tumult Collective. Tumult Collective is a music and sound collective based in Berlin. They create music and sound design for games like Horizon Forbidden West, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Borderlands 3, as well as smaller titles like Pine or 100 Days. Together we speak about how the band got together in Enschede, why Leonard got kicked out of an apprenticeship with a well-known music producer in L.A., uh, maybe connected to that, maybe not, managing the fine line between ambition and arrogance, and uh, where the ambition for the crew comes from in the first place. We talk about some childhood influences both in music and in games and in work ethic. We talk a lot about what it means to be an artist or a creator. We get some tips and tricks from the guys on how to make it in music and sound for games. And we also try to find out more about natural creativity, creating from a place without pressure or without having to fight somebody or without having to fight ourselves. I really like that. I hope you enjoy it too. So please sit back, relax and enjoy our conversation with Tumult Collective. Hello and welcome to the GamesNet Berlin Europe podcast. Today we have a very new concept, which is we have two guests. Number one, we have Leonard van Forst, who's a composer, sound designer and artist. And then on the other hand, we have Jonathan Howe, composer and sound designer for video games. Those two are co-founders of the Tumult Collective, a Berlin-based audio collective with a Dutch background story. And uh, we met, I met Leonard actually about a year ago, which was at an online event back then, since events used to be online at that point in 21, that was Indigo 2021. And it was funny because we were both actually in an online meeting and found out that we were both doing this online meeting at a Netherlands event in quotation marks uh, from Berlin. Two weeks ago now, we actually traveled together in a physical delegation to Indigo 2022 with GamesNet Berlin Europe, which was our first delegation travel, um, which is the stuff that we do when we don't record podcasts, actually bring companies together. And so we went there, had a nice time. Uh, obviously, now I have met Leonard a few times in person. And yeah, the new concept of today with the two guests comes because I wanted Leonard to come on here. He said, well, uh, Florian, I'm very sorry, but I'm too scared to do this alone. Can I please bring a friend? So I said, well, this is how everything started here. That, that's what Simon said to me, hence why I'm here. Correct. And now uh, the teams are basically even on both sides. So it's <laughs> two versus two today in this game. And uh, uh -huh. yeah, to get rid of the fear in the room, I would just say, well, guys, uh, let's hear from you. Uh, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us uh, what's currently important to you. Wow. What's currently important to us? Well, first of all, thank, thanks, Florian, for having us on here. And uh, thanks for the beautiful introduction. Our, our 
Jubiläum was beautiful in Amsterdam. And I'm happy to now introduce Jonathan here as well. Hello. Digitally. Yeah, so we are both from Tumul Collective and um, I'm, uh, I'm originally Dutch, but also half German. And Jonathan is? Uh, I'm, hey, uh, thanks for the introduction. For <laughs> I'm originally German, uh, but I moved to the Netherlands for my studies, which is where I met Leonard and where we started working together. So uh, during my studies, I learned Dutch as well. And I'm uh, sometimes mistaken for one as well, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the moment, important for us, I think, um, is the move that we're planning to our new studio, which mm -hmm. uh, we're planning to build in the upcoming month. And that's been taking a lot of headspace and just planning, but it's also super exciting. To wind that back a little bit, uh, that move comes after a time of you guys, um, I remember when we first talked, looking for a space to co-rent uh, here in Berlin. Basically, you were looking around, uh, looking to find people to share a space. So um, you're now at this point where you actually found something. Uh, I saw some pictures, which at this point, I would say, look very rough <laughs> in that space. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you found a space in Berlin and uh, now you will build your own studio in there, correct? Correct. And you also uh, want to bring other people with you there. Even more correct. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, why? So the, it started when we came here to Berlin and, and, you know, we were working together and, and we lived together in a, in a VG. Um, and we always had the idea, you know, okay, we, we kind of want to have a studio and, and, and have a split work and, and private life situation going on. Um, and then I think through Corona, uh, I also realized how good that is because all the other people that are suddenly doing home office, they're like, Hey, this home office thing is, is really difficult. And then I was like, Oh yeah, we lived that for a long time now. But you never realize it when other people don't give you that feedback as well, uh, at least for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did realize it a little bit, but I think then we really started to realize like, oh, damn, I think we just need to split it for many reasons. Um, so so you were basically fine until they told you that, that it wasn't <laughs> fine, maybe? <laughs> no, I think we realized that we weren't fine, uh, maybe in that sense. Um, Yeah, it takes some perspective, you know. I mean, uh, as musicians, we it's so it's really tricky to find a space where you can work in because you need a lot of space and you need it for yeah. yourself. Um, so a lot of musicians just work from their bedroom studios nowadays, and it's so normal. And I've been doing it for so long that it's sometimes hard to even relate to uh, what maybe are the disadvantages, and <laughs> it helps to. Uh, if all of a sudden other people have the same experience and you can relate to them and you, then you're like, oh yeah, all these symptoms you're describing, I definitely feel those as well, but I just thought that was normal. Yeah. Do, do you want to get into that a bit? I'm kind of curious about it. I'm also a big at-home worker. I really like it and here's your chance to ruin it for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we heard the, those voices as well of, of people really loving it, but I've also heard heard the journey of people saying oh i love it and then after one year or two years of corona they're like 
you know what let's let's get back to it so i think it's it's obviously still down to personality um i think some people fare better in a in a home office situation than others but this is sort of home home office turned up to the extreme where you are in the same house with the three people that you work with and you constantly see each other you constantly do everything together i think it's amazing that it has worked this long and i think <laughs> yeah. that's part of like your question earlier why are we wanting to have other people there i think one of the like fundamental ideas of our collective is which we discovered during our studies together so how much we learned from each other during working together and probably even more than we learned from the classes was just like us working together trying to help each other and that's something that we hope to cultivate as well with the new studio space is find other musicians other artists we have a game development studio moving in there as well which is super exciting to have like this cross discipline influences and i think that's where we see a big opportunity and we have more people around us to show us what's what's normal and we don't need a pandemic of of people having home offices to show us what a normal working condition is. Can you please show us how to work. <laughs> yeah. So so does that also mean that secretly there's like you started to hate each other after a while? Uh, will you admit it uh, on this podcast live to our audience? I mean, oof, there there are probably things that we don't like about each other uh, <laughs> after this after this thing. But as Jonathan said. I think it, it turned out pretty well uh, for the fact that we work together now for three years in this VK. Yeah. yeah, I think the relationship changes for sure, though, because yeah. uh, before that, like you, you work together and then maybe you see each other on the weekends and then it's like a friend's hangout sort of thing and you talk about your problems. But now all your problems are your shared problems. <laughs> and uh, it becomes more of like a family situation, I think, which has like it's super close and super intimate, but sometimes you need someone else to talk to yeah like yeah. jonathan got so tired of all my relationship problems i always came to him <laughs> and was like oh what about this and this and and sometimes i would just like walk into his room and he knew what i was gonna ask and i wasn't gonna ask anymore because i saw his face <laughs> so that stuff does happen so that means that uh, basically the people you're looking for now are also like buffer people, you know, to like keep the, keep the tumult collective apart. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think uh, what the whole home office versus like COVID thing brought to me, because I also had times in my life where I worked from home before COVID and there always was this thing like, yeah, you know, depending on how long the streak goes, I am, I'm fine with it. Uh, but what I narrowed it down to is basically this home office for me is fine as long as I know that it's a choice. So if I do it, then well, two, three days a week, I can be super productive, etc. But if I feel like there's no other option for me than to work from home at that point, which obviously was the case during COVID. Uh, it becomes super annoying and stressful to me because it feels like, I'm, well, I'm just uh, locked in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think especially what Jonathan also mentioned, creatively, you you you, you need your space in, in some way. Um, and I can imagine that if it's a choice that we could make, 
uh, that would be super nice then because then you could still decide. You could still decide like, oh, hey, today we're having this sort of uh, administrative day. Um, tomorrow we're doing a more like a creative day. We could do that in the studios. We could do this other thing in, in our homes. You know, um, I think then you, you're, you're more flexible and, and sort of chill about it. Mm. But to get to that point uh, uh, that you are at now, I think we need to also rewind a little bit because obviously to, to be those, I think you uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like three people are living together. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we have a fourth as well, but she doesn't, she's not part of the company. Ah, okay. So, but f for you to be in the situation of also looking for a place together and everything, you did this because you knew each other from before. Uh, so I want to jump into the whole, like, how did you guys start out together? And uh, how, how did that happen? Tell us about that. Well, it starts basically in Enschede, which is a, a city in the Netherlands, small city, very boring. Don't go there. Um, <laughs> I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> do you want to do it, Florian? Do you want to you give it a try? Enschede. <laughs> It's not Pretty too good. bad. Yeah, you even did it in the Dutch way, not 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 even in the German and entered away. I wanted to try hard mode. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Are you with that in games as well? Yes. Very good. Well, um, yeah. So it started in in Enschede, where um, there was a studies called media music, and it's a, it's part of a conservatory. And I started there um, two years before Jonathan and Alex, our third uh, part of Tumult Collective, started there. And I was doing sort of electronic music. And the studies is pretty broad. You can sort of do what you want. You can go in the direction you want. Um, but it has a focus on sort of being an, uh, an artist or media composer in, in music. And... After two years of sort of doing electronic music, I was, uh, you know, getting more aware of that I wanted to be more varied and sort of, I love games since I was little. So it was a logical step for me to, to sort of decide to look more into music for games because I always really liked doing these sort of ambient type of pieces as well that give you a very specific vibe. Um, and I always need sort of context around me because otherwise things don't make sense to like if I'm alone doing something I always question if 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 I'm doing it right if I should do it if uh wh what am I doing at all is is what I what I find myself asking then a lot um and then if you have someone to sort of ping pong around with uh it feels much more real and sort of it makes much more sense to do um, and I feel like it, it has more purpose. And in my class, there was nobody who was doing or interested in music for games. So then I started looking around and there was this new sort of batch of first years that came in. And I, I remember... Uh, juicy Asties, as we call them. <laughs> yeah, juicy Asties. Or, or in, in uh, the voice of a popular video game character, raw, fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Exactly. I saw this fresh meat. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Jonathan. In a video game. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I heard. I think that I, before I saw Jonathan, I heard his stuff on SoundCloud, and that's how I sort of I, I just heard it, and I was like, "Hey, that's cool." Uh, and I told my teacher, "I want to work with this guy," and he was like, "Are you sure he's in the first year?" I was like, "Yes, I <laughs> I want that." Um, and then he, I think he put us in touch, or we just got in touch somehow. Um, yeah, I remember there was like, uh, for us, the opportunity came up to take part in the game audio minor thing they were offering, uh, where we collaborated with another school uh, from Reda, which might come up later as well. And they offered us to work together with a three-year project, which um, I was super excited about. I think that's how we got in touch at first. We worked on like a small little game lab project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like a student project that just got got dumpstered at some point, but we had fun making the music and <laughs> we sure. and we we vibed, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> then back then we were still friends, like we. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, honeymoon <laughs> phase. Yeah, yeah, we would come around to each other's place and like play games, hang out, stuff like that. Friends, yeah. friends, things. Nice. And then how? At what point did you become more than two? Uh, pretty much during, like, I think we worked together for, like, almost a year doing various game projects and soundtracks together. And uh, on the side, I was also working with Alex and Milan as well. And we started to work on advertisement music and projects like that, where we do, like, pitches for uh, ad music, which we did for a while. That was super exciting. Uh, Drop some names, Jonathan. Do it. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. We worked on uh, <laughs> car commercials like Porsche and um, a couple others. Uh, which was really cool. <laughs> because others, so... wow. <laughs> I'm not nah. good with the dropping names. But... No, no, Jonathan hates it. That's why. <laughs> drop, you drop some na na names, too. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, Jonathan, well, your, 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 um, the way you just uh, counted all your projects out reminded me of my, of my high school teacher who was uh, yelling at us. Um, for doing everything wrong that day and she said well the chairs are not in the right position etc etc right? the classic <laughs> list one and then just say etc yeah, then you got a big right. list you know <laughs> porsche and all the others yeah. all the others no no great 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 projects dude yeah um, yeah, well, yeah you, no. i think that already gives away i, I always like Gives a good trajectory, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. It's like driving a Porsche. Your life must be great, you know. I, I don't even have a driver's license. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. Sorry, please continue. No more interruptions. No about my life now. Like, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, from so yeah, we worked on that together, and through that, we sort of noticed that we had a very good uh, and productive like working relationship. And after working yeah, so there was alex and you right so you, alex you and alex and yeah yeah we worked on a lot of like commercials together and then i think the next step was sort of the internships we all did where um alex leo and milan as well who used to be our fourth member went to uh, los angeles uh, i think that's a good one for you to tell leo it's probably more yeah sure yeah so uh, there was this time in our studies where we basically have to do an internship and um I was really keen on going to LA because uh, the head of our studies, he was always like all about LA. I don't know. He, I, he it kind of worked. He really implemented this idea into my head that I should go to LA because that's where the big, big shots are. Um, and it's specifically one composer, Junkie XL or Tom Holkenborg, um, is, is like a Dutch, uh, you Dude. know, huge 
film composer who did Mad Max. Here I go with the name dropping. Um, and he he had this sort of connection to our studies where he was um, uh, sometimes did these master classes. So there was this sort of feeling of a connection being there that you could make use of or like tap into, I would say. So there was already an ex-student doing an assistantship at uh, Tom Tom's place in LA. So I was like, oh, I want to I want to get in, in in that as well. So I contacted the assistant and said, "Hey, can I can I join in on this?" and uh, they were positive about it. So then I went to LA at some point and started my internship with Tom Holkenborg um, for 3 months was the plan. Only that after I think one and a half months, I got I got thrown out. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, Tell us more about that. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a complex situation where I was like, I was on. I think I was bragging around on Reddit a little bit, which was kind of a dumb thing to do. I, I I'm gonna admit it. I was a bit of a brat back then, um, and maybe I'm still am, but I. I hope I'm I am less. Um, I'll reserve judgment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and also he didn't uh, he didn't appreciate that I was sort of uh, chatting to other composers, uh, which I can understand. It was sort oh, of so you were in an exclu exclusive relationship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there we go with the relationship advice again. Ah. Yes. <laughs> mm. I'm sorry, guys. You shall I'm not have other composers next to me. <laughs> is yeah, this, does this count as also being brats now are we all being brats now about this no 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 this is okay. this is not bratty like bragging on on the internet about being an intern somewhere that's that's a bit bratty i, 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 I admit it and i yeah. that's that's one thing where i wake up sometimes and i'm like oh shit why did i do that ever <laughs> yeah 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 you shall be forgiven my son <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh yeah i mean uh saying it out loud um, and standing to it—that's that's how you how you gain forgiveness, right? I think so. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 showing your uh, remorse, which you are doing. Honestly. Exactly. So. <laughs> I hear. I hope Papa Tom okay. is listening and yeah. he forgives me. Okay, but you were <laughs> feeling a bit big shot, like, huh? And and then you uh, and then you were like, <laughs> and then and then what he 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 found out and just straight gave you the boot. Yes, exactly. Um, wow. I was. Uh, I was sort of aware that it was, I think deep down, I wasn't actively aware that this wasn't the place for me, but I think deep down somewhere I, I sort of knew. So I was, um, I had this huge Excel list of sort of composers that uh, were out there in LA and I was in between, I was contacting them and asking if I could, uh, yeah, come by for a cup of coffee or, coffee or something. And they oftentimes agreed, which was super cool. Like, um, Mikolai Strurinsky was one of them. He's like the co-composer of The Witcher. And uh, Ethan Carter. No. Do you know the name, Jonathan? Va the Vanishing of Ethan Carter, I think. Ah, yes. Yeah. Really, really cool soundtrack. And I really admired his work. And he's super open and chill. And we hung out a couple of times. And they they all are super open in, in the US of, of, about sort of meeting and hanging out. So... I made use of that, and that was that was really really nice. Um, and then once I got thrown out, I I looked at my Excel list again, and I I queued the montage music, and uh, <laughs> I started like harassing all these people. I think with emails, 
I even like there's one composer, Brian Reitzel, who did the score for Hannibal, the TV show, um, who I was an enormous fan of. And I, I was so keen on meeting him that I, I think I wrote his wife. Uh, <laughs> who had a acupuncture studio oh, God. Right. and I found that somehow and then uh, I you were got, still in LA at the time right you were yes like yeah I had you're... one and a half months left in LA and yeah, I was yeah. I was very keen on making use of that um, because we, you know my family also sort of they they invested like a thousand or two thousand or something into sure. get, getting me there so I you know I wasn't about to show back up with empty hands or something. So I felt I need to make use of this. Yeah. And, and then you found uh, Brian Wrightsell's wife's acupuncture studio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he did agree to meet you, right? He did. I don't know it's why. It's crazy to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone wrote my wife, <laughs> if he could meet me, I yeah. think I would steer away from that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If Papa Ratzel is out there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, confess all your sins. This is the place. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, he was incredibly cool. He gave me a vinyl, which I then lost in the text. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I'm on a full confession spree right here. Yes, yes, um, yes. get everything out. It's good. Yeah, get it all out. <laughs> And oh god, um, yeah. Then I, there was this uh, a Dutch guy who I had no idea about. Um, who I I wrote him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I love helping Dutch people." And I was like, "Okay." And I, I saw that he did something with EA, and I had no idea what. And then I came out to him with like a one and a half hour Uber drive, which was so expensive. And I was like, "Why am I doing this?" But then I met him, and he said oh, you know what, let's meet tomorrow in my studio. So I was like, oh, okay, this is some kind of check, I guess. Um, and then it turned out to, that he was an audio director for EA for a long time. And uh, then he was like, oh, who do you want to meet? And I was like, hmm, I guess uh, Jasper Kidd. And then he was like, all right, I'll, I'll call him. And he called Jasper Kidd. And for the next day, I had a meeting with Jasper Kidd. And um, yeah, then he was like, well, I'm looking for an assistant and do you want to help me with some scores? And, uh, you know, it, it was a really weird roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With the name dropping, you need to also maybe add like what, what their work is, uh, like for Jasper Kidd. Jasper yeah, Kidd, sure. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's known for, for the Ezio's uh, theme, which has, uh, let's see how many plays uh, on Spotify. <laughs> I'm going to number drop now. Um, 35 million. Uh, which theme is that? That's the Ezio's family, which is from Assassin's ah, Creed two. 2, I think, with Ezio. Um, and he did number one. And now he came back for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. He did Borderlands, oh. Vermintide. Hitman is also a big one. Hitman is, yeah. No. Hitman is probably his first big, okay. big thing. So I got... That's you know, kind of crazy really lucky in this weird uh chain of events now i'm done talking <laughs> I, I i've got i've got yeah no this is a great story i've got some questions for you guys like in um contextual uh fashion i'm feeling because it seems to me from what i'm gathering from your story that you were both students there in enschede 
and you you had there was this but it must have been like well i hear the, all this ambition right because um jonathan you were already working um mm -hmm. porsche and all the others and um <laughs> you know making things for ads which the ad business is like a pretty uh let's say reputable business and you know Many filmmakers want to go in there, and um, mm -hmm. I'm sure on an audio level, it's it's the same basically. And then clearly, you've had uh, some ambitions, Leo, um, going <laughs> to LA. Oh my God! And um, what? And, and that seems like that was the case from the beginning. So I'm not really hearing like, a, oh yeah, we're like students, hang out, you know, do what students do in the Netherlands. I know I studied there too. Many great opportunities to do things as students, you know. Um, but Studying. I'm sure you did that too, but you're like also working, you know, you're going in. Yeah. Um, what's that about? What's that, what's that ambitious streak? Was that, are you just entrepreneurially minded or were you, yeah, what's going on? Interesting. I think that's sort of like maybe one of the things that uh, made us come together. I think sort of seeing other people that strive really hard to achieve something and that's inspires. And um, yeah, I think, The, for one, the study was really good at sort of shaping you that way. I think they put a lot of focus on, because music is obviously super hard to market and to find a market for. But mm -hmm. that was one of the like key components of the study, I think, is like get those people to be working as quickly as possible, give them the autonomy to be doing projects on their own and just support them doing that. And I think for me as well, even before... This, I started my study. I, the goal was very clear for me. I had been working on a Berlin-based project, actually, Clark. I did the soundtrack for that during my Abitur, like during finishing high school, essentially. Which is why, which is what I heard on SoundCloud, what I was like, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I always like, I, I, my background is from bands and I played in punk bands a lot. And at some point, all those bands. What did you play? Like uh, what instrument? Bass mainly. I also play right. some guitar sometimes and keys, but mainly I was a bass player. Okay. And uh, sort of all those bands split up around the same time. And I was like, oh, this is like, I need to take this into my own hands. So I think, and then I, my background story, so that I got on Reddit and I was like, hey, I want to do video game music and I put like a post up and I got like 300 responses with to the one demo that I had posted. So I think during wow. like the whole like last year of my school, I was sort of working on various like Reddit indie game projects. That was super also fun. kind of nuts, right? I mean, I, I don't think that would work anymore today. Hmm. Do you Why think? don't you think so? Well, I mean, this, this whole uh, composer email, you know, Uh, what game developers always talk about, like the the hundreds of composer emails they have in their mailbox. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, and I don't know if it it doesn't seem like it would work anymore. Maybe I, I'm wrong. I think maybe I hit the algorithm or something. But <laughs> and, <laughs> but and that you... gave me like the the uh, feeling of oh, there's so much work here, and I love doing this. I can actually do this. So I think from that, I had like a very clear goal of what I wanted my work to be. But do you think that at that point, just to, to, to clarify, were you offering like, I want to do music for games for free? Or were you saying, I need work, please pay me to make music for a game? No, it was definitely for free. Um, ah, because I think if you go to Reddit today and yeah. offer free music for games, yeah. I think there will be always people asking for free stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought the same because, um, because yeah, the, the, the composer email, quote unquote, that seems to be like a, like a cold outreach or cold warm whatever outreach is like hey do you need a composer for your game we are a studio but 
just the classic you know you're in the last year of your uh, studies you you need something to busy your hands essentially mm -hmm. um all the bands split up and then you're like hey yo got some bandwidth anybody want some music for the game that's like and then you know you bet as many new composers as they are there are as many new game devs right that's getting yeah. easier and, True. And, yeah. and so on as well so um, and, and I, I feel that that's yeah sorry no you go ahead no yeah but like uh, what you're saying is definitely true and i think it took like a while of doing that to build a bunch of contacts and find teams that we have been working with for a long time now that are now like becoming bigger studios and the sort of working relationship we have with them is so important to us super valuable mm -hmm. one more thing i wanted to mention about Enschede though it's uh <laughs> i think there's it's it's a city but there's not really a lot to do <laughs> so a I catalyst think, yeah i think because there's not really like there is nightlife but it's like only if you like really shitty music yeah. <laughs> so i think the people there get really focused on their study yeah <laughs> and it's really easy to find each other i think like i mean obviously we were studying together so it wasn't hard anyway but like you realize that the amount of people that you want to hang out with is really li limited and and um and then you just sort of stick to the to those folks um which is different here in berlin i would say but that's another topic but yeah that i think Enschede did help in that regard i agree mm -hmm. with jonathan mm. a little bit of creative let's say um frame and restriction so to speak you know less to do in a way therefore more to do in the in the other department less to you know <laughs> more shitty music around you therefore um more good music uh necessity to make good music yourself yeah. Yeah. that's a good way to put yeah. it yeah and it's it, it is interesting this mindset and it, and i agree that um it, it's really what sort of what we saw in each other and what brought us together i don't know where it comes from i i always have to thank my my mom for a lot of things that she instilled in me and i think that that was also there this sort of belief to to do um big things uh which sounds weird but yeah i i think this this brattiness that i was talking about was a bit of my my ego sort of playing playing in where i was really convinced that i was going to do uh great stuff and and i'm thankful for tom for slapping it out of me a little bit um <laughs> sure at, at least nice. not too much you know like it's, yeah. it's still there but i think it's a bit more uh, on a on a sort of healthy level <laughs> yeah i mean these things need to be um, need to be tempered a bit and if you're but but you know I, I would also say it's uh, it's the proper order in which they went you know because uh, like you said you were so adamant about going to LA let's say I'm sure not everybody was because many you know and many people don't have the chutzpah like to to just write to a bunch of people you know I think that is a, a very kind of a high um highly ambitious move which which can like devolve into arrogance which is kind of what you're describing as brady but then it also has a very high floor like of of opportunity so that 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 then just becomes a balancing act which you have to do and then you know you uh, get forgiveness for your <laughs> transgressions and then, but that, that's good you know and and I, I that's why i asked about your ambition like this is a great um great thing and i would like to ask also uh since you brought it up um how did you guys grow up because it's always interesting for me to ask 
um, let's say ambitious slash successful slash entre entrepreneurial or just very creative people, um, what 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 did you get instilled in you? And maybe you can just begin, Leo, with with what you said about what you learned from your mom. Like, what was that? Um, this this uh, proclivity to think big, or however you describe it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, first of all, I agree. I agree completely with you that that uh, you know this this sort of time where I was somewhat more towards the arrogant side. I still um, pick the fruits of that time. You know, like uh, I'm not I'm not going to say like be arrogant, but sort of I was so uh, intense, intensely set on this that I really went for it. And now it's it's I'm in a bit, bit of a different mindset, but it's yeah, it did do it did play a big part in in where I am now. So it's it's a weird sort of a weird balance. Um, but back to your question, um, yeah, I think my mom is a person who is who has this sort of engine inside of her. She sort of raised uh, me and my brother um, alone for a long time. Um, well, until it was sort of uh, from when I was eight, I think, approximately. Um, but then we always went back and forth to, uh, between me and my dad. And my dad is sort of, sort of this this really expert sound guy who has a, a big hi-fi set and he listens to a lot of great music that I still listen to. So it's, I think it's, uh, you can definitely see the influence from both sides from sort of from my dad, from his ears and his sort of uh, expertise about sound and hearing things and listening, listening to good music. And my mom being the sort of engine that gives you this feeling of um, being able to do anything. And, and she was completely opposite of what you hear most of the time where people say like, Oh, I wanted to do music. But then my parents told me like, oh, I think you should do law and and we're going to disown you if you're going to study this artsy bullshit or something, you know. Yeah. Um, my mom was the complete opposite. I, I think I wanted to do something with environmental studies. Um, and she was like, mm, I'm not sure. Maybe you should should think about it for a year. And she just organized these these internships for me. Um where which one was at a bank and i i realized okay this is absolutely not what i wanted wanted to do um even though it was fun and then uh the second one was at a at a radio station where everyone seemed to have a lot of fun and a good time and they were just sort of working on what they wanted to do and when you're 18 this it's not an obvious thought you know it's not obvious that hey, maybe you should work on something that you really like. And I think this radio station just made it more um, feasible that you can make a living out of that. And it was actually Deutschland Radio Kultur here in, here in Berlin. Um, mm. So Good station. Yeah, it, it, that really, I mean, that was obviously a gigantic help from you know, something that, that a lot of people don't get where my mom was like, Hey, do these internships, um, learn this thing. And then I, I remember sitting in the radio station and I wrote her this email and I was like, mom, 
I think I want to do something with music because that's what I enjoy anyway. And she wrote back to me, Leonard, that's the first time I've heard something sensible from you in regards to your future. Wow. Uh, I love that. What? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. You sure you don't want to do the bank kid? Have you really thought about it? <laughs> like, mm, shut up, mom. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, that was obviously a gigantic um, influence from from my side. And then, yeah, the, the energy of both parents is, is there. Um, and one thing I always like to mention or love to say is, is the fact that I, I never was that much into music before I was uh, 16 or something. And I, I didn't pick music in school because my friends were sort of playing in these bands that they didn't really let me play in. And I was like, well, fuck you guys. I'm, oh, Am I allowed to say the F word? Yeah, I don't know. You already did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, screw you guys. I'm going to do my own thing. And I started like doing this electronic music thing when I was 16. So, um, and I never was, I'm still not good with any instrument, but still it's, it's a, I'm, I'm doing it as a job. And I always love saying that because I was really insecure about it, I think, for a long time, where I was like, oh, I can't play piano, I can't really play this. And, um, but we, you know, with modern possibilities of, of, of um, these DAWs, like the digital workstations, uh, the programs that producers use, um, you, you have all the options before you. You don't really need to be able to play a piano it's, or guitar. I think it's like all in your head as well. It's your vision yeah. and your ideas and how you realize them. And if you ask other people to play the instruments or whatever, it doesn't matter if you have like a sonic idea and you can translate that well. That's what you need as a producer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's sick. Um, I'm, uh, I just want to briefly add before we ask you, Jonathan, that... Um, It's a true blessing. I've I've had the same from my mom. Always the the no no, you can really do whatever you want. And I'm like, mm -hmm. could you like tell me one thing I maybe should do? She's like, No. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, you know. <laughs> Speaking of creative boundaries, you know, it's almost like uh, too much freedom. But mm -hmm. um, no, I'm very grateful. Like I know so many stories from the other from the other side, like you described the classic, well, you better become a doctor, kid, yeah. or else. And um Well, Do you think uh, people that really have to fight for the choice that they want to make have like a different uh, energy in there, like a different determinant? Yeah, but you know, I've thought about this a lot and I, it's like cycles and pendulum swings and stuff. And yeah, you can get like this really hu real hunger, like when you grow up really poor or something that, that when you have like an ambitious energy that kind of one make one uh, like propels you to change your state let's say mm -hmm. like your your um whether that's from you know being poor or being repressed which is kind of the same thing really um then uh, you get really hungry but it's also very easy to overcompensate mm -hmm. right and but that but that's also a part of of um Uh, being young so that can also be the arrogant part ambitious and arrogant or like you know hungry and overcompensatory and you know it usually comes with a price this energy mm -hmm. and then in the later years we have to like uh, balance that out a little bit and when you grow up with a lot of opportunity and and freedom you also have to 
do a very hard job, like let's say pushing, you know, against poverty is a hard job, coming push like coming from a lot of freedom and opportunity, whether that's financial or just mental, um, uh, you also have a hard job. And it's like to narrow yourself down and not, you know, be too frivolous with your time and choices because you have so much opportunity. You know, it's the classic rich kid does a lot of drugs, you know, <laughs> and, and that's, that's just frivolous. That's like not knowing how to properly allocate your resources mm -hmm. and getting that knowledge of who you are and where to allocate property. That's really hard as well, you know? Yeah. And then and I you think have to do that later anyway, even if you've pushed successfully, because when you push successfully one time, from let's say poverty or something and then you are somewhere and then the, the people have a tendency to like clamor onto it to hold onto it yeah and then if you want to become a even keeled like like existence uh you have to go one step back anyway and like relax for a moment and blah 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 so you always have to like make sure like you bring the pendulum to the middle a bit if if you're looking for like more balance let's say absolutely mm -hmm. yeah and i think having like wanting to prove something can can take so much energy uh yeah. And I do think that that's sort of when when it's not from a natural point um, and you constantly feel like you need to prove something and you can't bring the pendulum to sort of calm down, then it, it can be incredibly exhausting. Yeah. But uh, can I jump in here for a second? Yeah. Do you think that this having to prove something isn't also like, or the feeling that you, that, you want to do that um can can that also be a very good uh like driving factor because Absolutely. i definitely i definitely have that uh for some situations in my life where i am or was to to a certain extent very very adamant on i need to prove to those people that whatever they did was wrong like the decision they made what like uh in terms of how they saw me or like in terms of what they thought I could do. Uh, maybe I wasn't at the point in, in, in my life where I, I could do that, but um, I will get there and like, like mm -hmm. prove them wrong. So I think for me at some points that was a very driving factor. Absolutely. I, I, I hundred percent agree. And I think this is a, a really nice reference to this sort of bratty, non bratty phase or arrogant, non arrogant phase I guess, um, because I do think a l for a long time my motivation was a bit to prove something or because I, I think it just got a little inflated, this sense of I can do anything. Um, and then I, I, I remember at some point that making music just became stressful um, and be because I was constantly comparing myself to what's out there and... I was always sort of, it was also also this sort of commercial music thing where you get a lot of references sent to you. And I noticed that people who are really happy making music, they they really let go of what others around them did. Um, and I, I was not in that headspace. I was always comparing and I was always sort of checking my music to music that sounded similar. And then I was like, oh, what they did here is much cooler and I need to get on that level. And then it's not, you're not discovering, you know, you're not generating energy from, from a, a neutral point, but you're sort of trying to get somewhere. So it becomes this really frustrating process for me, at least 
um, because you're I was, like fighting. Yeah, and 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 now after you know, in the beginning of making music, you I think you mostly start in this sort of natural position, and then my ego got a bit inflated, and then I I had different motivations, and then now I feel like I've come back to a much more natural and sort of healthy way of producing music, which is, um, yeah, not referencing and not trying to prove something, but making it from this sort of stillness or um, you, you have no idea where you're going and every step is, is a discovery that gives you energy to make more. Mm. While you were talking about this, uh, I'm not sure if that's like a concept or if, but what I thought about is having that own like center or, or point from, from which you want to create, let's say, or be creative or also let's say work, uh, do something with your life. And then that, uh, external factor of wanting to prove something to somebody is like borrowed energy in a way, or like, almost a fake energy like you're not doing it for yourself maybe you're just doing it for external reasons mm -hmm. and uh that can only get you so far like it's uh at some point you will probably realize that you're just competing or like proving to somebody external when uh, maybe some people don't notice but yeah maybe hopefully you get to that point where you focus back more on yourself mm. I think also like there's very little like actual creativity there once you just chase something else because mm -hmm. what do you do when you reach it then you're at like the end point mm -hmm. and then yeah. there's still nothing there you've just like uh, sort of approached something that someone else had already done and I think if you really want to be creative and find something unique you it needs to come from within and not be related to um, like reference music or temp music, which I don't know. A lot of people talk about like the problems with temp music in films, but yeah, I, ha I have this little um, uh, comparison. Sorry, um, I, I agree with all of you very much. This is like something I think a lot about. Natural creativity, kind of could talk about it for hours. Also, want to move it forward a bit, but a little, um, a little uh, reference story, and maybe we can then we can get a li little bit to your like origins, uh, John. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of because I know I brought it up, but I also want to like um, <clears throat> make a case and a stand for actually uh, this fighting creativity because it's a very young, uh, like young people energy and it's mm -hmm. very punk. And like I'm thinking of Metallica, you know, and uh, Megadeth. And like, you know, I love like Kill 'em All. It's the first Metallica album, 1983, I think. Uh, Yeah, should be right. And um, yeah, it's so raw, even compared to the next album, which I think is just one or two years later, right? The Lightning, it's like, it's so like James Hetfield's voice is super high and it's just like so, so angry. And it's like Seek and Destroy and Metal Militia and Whiplash. And it's just this. And, and um, you know, there's this, uh, well, and Metallica obviously went on to make some really great albums, uh, afterwards and and then now there are still these titans of 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 rock you know they're like way bigger than just metal and blah blah, blah. and then there's the story of uh dave mustaine uh, and Ma who who was 
the Metallica lead guitarist, I think, in the beginning, and got kicked out, founded Megadeth. <laughs> and and Metallica are the people of like natural creativity. They just kind of, well, they started from like fighting energy, of course, and that made great albums. But then, <laughs> and then they became like, okay, like cool with themselves and they did their own thing and blah, blah. And if you ever look at Dave Mustaine, you know, he's kind of like this antagonist figure, you know, this has these little hunched shoulders, really tense position. <laughs> and you feel like until now, he never got out of the fight, right? So he's still like, basically all his music is like, fuck Metallica, you know, hate and he still makes the same music kind of like, and, it, and it's just this, and he's still in this fighting spirit, right? And his whole success and creativity is based on, like fighting and hate and i don't know the guy so i'm sorry dave you know maybe that's not true but but that's Papa just dave. a just a just a avatar for that i feel like and then you you always need a yeah well you can do it when you're young but like when you grow a bit older then you will need to find the inner drive otherwise it's going to burn you out so hard right mm, absolutely Absolutely. You will always need an enemy to continue your creativity, yeah. and that's not exactly sustainable, right? I, yeah, uh, many you have to fight more mad. enemies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you just make one. You could just, you know, attack somebody. <laughs> uh, but we don't really want to do that. You know, we want to be peaceful. And, so, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can really, really see this in people. Like our 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 EBB coach uh, showed us like this clip of Mick Jagger uh, in the BBC on last week, well, last weekend was it or something? Yes. And then you can see that, you know, th they are coming from a source of sort of natural creativity because he's 78 or something and he's jumping around the stage with so much energy um, still. And I think that can only work if you, if you did that from a source of sort of natural creativity And as, as Florian said, I agree that it can be super helpful and a combination of this sort of fighting energy, but, but also a base of natural creativity is, is I think, super important for, for artists. Um, can you please explain, because uh, I, I don't think that we will go super deep into that, but what's an IBB coach? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll do a little commercial segment for you, uh, Florian, or Thank for the IBB. Much. It's like a... Uh, in Berlin, uh, as an instance of the government where you can sort of ask funding for a coach and they, they have certain coaches and we asked for this funding um, and we got it. And so now we have a, a coach through, through them um, and you get like 90% paid for, for the coachings. So um, yeah, you have to pay very little for, at least in our case, a very high quality coach. Yeah. Nice. And this person is coaching you in? Um, in our business, uh, yeah. What would business you say? development, like strategy, yeah. strategies, sort of building the brand and thinking about our different team roles, how we structure our work, what like the usual project pipeline looks like. Just it's been really helpful to like look at all of that with someone else because we've sort of built it up internally just through instinct, I think. Mm -hmm. and it just helped to be like okay what are we actually doing and is there anything we can sort of streamline yeah it's been super helpful and really nice to have some outside again perspective Shout <laughs> because, <out to> <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's the best nice. nice. um jonathan do you want to give us a, a little bit of a backstory and then I, i'm sure we can like jump in the present again and, and see a bit about the more businessy and um gamey things sure um 
but yeah, for completion's sake, how did you grow up and what like what gave you your your instincts and um you know I'm still coming kind of from this uh ambition perspective, but doesn't have to be, you know, mm -hmm. what what influenced you for the music for what you're doing now. Yeah. I think for some I think I was like a very uh un satisfied child like i was very angry a lot of the time and i was sort of like bumping up against rules and everything that sort of limited me like school and getting up earlier i was having like loads of trouble and i i think i was causing my parents like massive headaches with the and at some point it got so bad during um grundschule which is like the first four years of school that the head of our school wanted to transfer me to another school for children with um sort of violence problems <laughs> Which a lot of people now get really surprised when i say it <laughs> but um and i don't see the point like i don't think it would have helped me to uh, send me to a school with a bunch of violent kids so we can fight it out i don't know <laughs> um but i think well, like my my father is actually my mom is an architect and an artist and my father is um he's a musician but mainly he does sort of um coaching as well he coaches groups and parents and children that have trouble in school and as it goes like um when you do that for a living and then you get a child <laughs> that has the exact same problems it's a completely different thing and you need to relearn everything so i think he also learned a lot from me but I think after we had a sort of like navigated this phase, I think it got better when I was around 10. Um, at that point, they were like, okay, just get this kid through school and then support him with whatever he wants to do. Because if he doesn't want to, if he's not motivated like intrinsically, then everyone's going to have a hard time and me especially. <laughs> and I think music was always like a thing that really like... No, I, I feel like I need to create music. It's, it sounds maybe like sort of cliche to say, but if I'm not doing that, then I feel unsatisfied with myself, like I'm being lazy and I'm not actualizing myself. So this drive was always very strong with me. And I think at first I sort of um, looked for, it was also just sort of like the time of bands, right? There was so many punk bands in our town and um, bands, a lot less popular now, I think, but I was playing bass. And I remember specifically we had one weekend when I was like around 17, I think, where we recorded our first EP. And we spent the whole weekend in like a basement somewhere recording, tracking all the parts and then me um, playing the bass. And it felt so nice and so purposeful. And I remember after the weekend, next day I had to go like back to school and I could literally like cry because like it felt so useless. <laughs> and i remember i was talking to my dad and he was like yeah I, I, but sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do but it made me so sad <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and i think from there they but they've been super supportive and um also just giving me lots of trust and opportunity and just believing in that my my sort of if i find my way and i i pursue it then um they stand behind me fully which i'm super grateful for i think also for for you when always when i hear this this story about your youth i i, I just always love it because jonathan really is this incredibly tranquil person who is also i think the embodiment of, of natural creativity um but i i always feel it's so weird 
that you had this enormous fight and you were so violent mm. because it, it it almost feels like you had this sort of really intense package of something that maybe some people deal with throughout their life. And for you, it was just condensed into multiple years in your youth. And then at some point, you you always say like you 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 stop being angry or you what was the yeah, thing i find it i find it like hard to uh know how to feel about it because if i see someone who's like super like gets angry at like injustice and wants to change things i'm so impressed and I, i'm really drawn to that and i think it's super cool to like have this energy inside you and sometimes i feel like maybe i've sort of given up on that to like protect myself Oh, so do you think that you actually like uh, swap to like complete opposite? Like you don't get angry at all now anymore? Yeah, hardly. I, I can be really, a bit really hard. Yeah, it's really hard to get. I, I'd rather just like disengage if something like is there's a situation where I feel uncomfortable or I feel like, oh, this is so unjust. I have a tendency to be like, take a step back, disengage, and then see if I can do something from there, which I think I learned because <laughs> it wasn't working for me to uh, freak out every time. But I also like sometimes I miss like a little bit of like anger, you know? It's also yeah. energy there, similar to what you described earlier in, in relation to creativity. <sighs> This is fascinating to me. I mean, I don't want to like psychoanalyze you or something also because I don't have the skill and it would just be like me rambling, but it's, it's interesting how, how that stopped and like would be really interesting to hear an expert talk about like why they think that is, but, or maybe you figured it out at some point better. I don't know, but like th that fascinates me that this complete switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I have met quite a few people actually in my life who I was, they were telling me similar things. They were super angry children and now they're super mellow. I think, I don't know, the the nice theory is you like, you learn to uh, regulate yourself and you know that not everything is super important for your life and that things take time and you just get relaxed. Or mm. as I said, maybe you sort of decide like, okay, maybe a lot of fights Um aren't worth putting all of myself into you know it's mm. yeah i i've got i've got two bits on it um i don't want to make this this can be this can fill the rest of the conversation i don't really want that so um i'll try to give it as a little impulse so two things that that reminds me of one is um adhd like uh or ads like the germans call it um i'm reading a lot about that at the moment I associate it strongly with this need to create um, mm -hmm. and uh, complete un, like uh, lack of satisfaction with um, circumstances that don't fit you very well. You know, mm -hmm. um, so that's one impulse, and the other one uh, about anger. I can really relate with that. I d did a lot of like. Um, well, I don't get angry. And then I used to get more sad instead, kind of like, and like depressed and uh, avoidant. And um, I d did some work to change it a little bit. And now, um, uh, and, and I read uh, a book called Radical Honesty, which uh, which is a bit weird sometimes, but it's also pretty good. And cool. it discusses anger. And it, the, the metaphor that I really liked about it was an engine needs to fire all the time a little bit. Mm -hmm. if an engine only like holds back and then like you know small explosion good big explosion bad yeah and and um 
So I've I've took uh, taken that to heart a little bit, and it it uh, affected a lot uh, for me and uh, made a lot of things better. Cool. It has a lot to do with honesty as well, which is like, you know, talking when I've got something to say. So for example, before I went on this bit, I you know we're in a podcast as well, so I talk more consciously. So I'm like. Hey, should I bring this up? Is this good for the timing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and then I'm like, well, this is some knowledge that I have. I, it kind of feels like it wants to come out. Natural mm -hmm. creativity, right? Okay, so I, I'll say it. And then I'll just make it a bit short. And mm -hmm. then, um, so that's like little explosion, you know, versus, oh, I could keep it in, but maybe I would feel worse after or something. Yeah. Um, what you yeah, say the same with like anger, with like, oh, I, where, where I, I say more often, like, hey, I'm a bit angry about that right now. You know, like, <laughs> And then work from there. So yeah, that's that's what I have about it. Definitely. And I, interesting what you said about like um, having to find your specific environment that you feel comfortable in and that works for you. I'm personally super grateful for sort of the situation we have now, where we met during our studies, really learned to trust each other, and from this have like the freedom to work on our own schedule, on our own projects, and that we have like the sense of ownership of the project that we do and we get to pick what we want to work on and how we just structure and um, divide our work and I think that's super helpful for me and um, yeah I, I'm really just grateful that we have this um, situation where we're at now it's interesting that you say that like you came up with that as well with the having um, like finding a solution you know like a situation that really suits yeah. you Yeah, that's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit that 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 I have. I think it's like, yeah, I I just need to, yeah, draw my own lines, create my own space. I think it's very important. So I'm mm -hmm. that's why I always ask as well because I want to know how how other people feel about that. You know, some come yeah. from this place, some come from this. And it's I think it's super nice the way you described uh, the ADS or ADHS, whatever it's called in English or German, um, in in a way that. It, it wasn't sort of this label of, oh, you you don't function, you know, because that's, I think. No, it's it's actually, you're kind of like hyper-functional. So, yeah. yeah. So it's like a great precursor. And I have material in that. I can share that with you or with like the show notes. Um, I know some people who talk about this really well. And um, and um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's the correct frame. It's like hyper-functional. It's like, you know, okay, let me uh, bring this to a topic. Um, games. I, for me, also, I would describe myself like that a bit. Uh, for me, games were so important, you know, because it's this place where you can basically, in a good game, you can be hyper-functional. Yeah. You can think about like like Stardew Valley. You can think about seven things at the same time, you know. <laughs> Starcraft 2, you can like have to play really fast and precise or any like shooter, you know, the, 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 the degree of uh, stress it puts on your like perception motor system and everything is so pleasant right you know that's the yeah. i feel like that's really so how, how did you guys feel about games um and and what what were your experiences with games as kids or later on mm. I, th i think you said you were both into games yeah for me it's always been I, i've always been very much into like uh role-playing games i play a lot of a lot of the Schwarze Auge, which is sort of like a dungeons and dragons but then the german version um which is interesting because it's not at all about being like functioning it's all about expressing a character and sort of uh, your creativity and playing as that character and i even sp uh, found like an online community it's called uh Wesper tales and they had like an ultima online server running with like yes you know it 
I was looking for free shards of Ultima Online at one point. I think I, I, I found them. Yeah, it was quite a small server, but it was so much fun. I spent loads of hours in my youth there, like 13 to 17. I grew up on, on those servers for a big, big part. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed sort of the limitless nature of those sort of games. Nowadays, I enjoy like system-based games a lot as well, though. I'll just say the Spire is a game that I play a lot at the moment. Um, next to the more narrative, like Disco Elysium was a huge inspiration last few years. And um, uh, now I love like either short uh, indie experiences that aren't too long, but take me on a journey that I can actually finish um, or like uh, really mechanical games. But it's interesting in my youth, I was definitely more like, I guess, role-playing sort of exploratory games that are less system focused cool mm -hmm. yeah um I, i wanted to quickly con connect to to simon's point about about games and hdhd as uh, quickly before i go into games because it, it really got me thinking my little half brother he's he he's like very hyperactive as well and he, he loves games so i i think this d dynamic between uh games and Uh, uh, sort of hyper activity or creativity is is really really interesting and a, and a very interesting topic. I would love to talk more about one one time because I, I also wonder if it's like a blessing or a curse in some way, maybe both. But perhaps until systems of schools learn to deal with it better, it's it's almost uh, definitely going to be more of a, a blessing. Because for me, games, um, yeah, really was a I think I've, I've you learn a lot to to handle systems, and I feel like you know when you're nowadays on a computer and and or or doing music, you have to understand all these little systems constantly, and that's what games really teach you. I feel like you yeah. you know mm -hmm. always play a new game and you always get a new system in front of you, and you instantly learn to recognize it, to to take it apart and understand it. You need to if you want to be good, you need to. Uh, yeah, uh, Ausspielen to to f completely master this system and understand how to make make it work for you. You become like an interface and rule set expert. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. but and, and, but you become like a meta expert become because you become an interface and rule set learning and adapting and mastering expert. Right? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, and I think it's uh, super interesting and and as well what you said about this sort of multiple instances of your brain being questions at once um is is really really interesting anyway um you, Stad you to... mentioned stadio valley and that which I, is quite a, quite ironic i think but i had the same experience i was always juggling all my tasks while the game just presents you this uh, garden to relax in yeah no of course <laughs> i have this crazy i have a crazy stardew valley experience i was working at twitch at the time and i'm like oh man i've got so much work <laughs> fuck this you know and i just want to play some stardew valley and then in stardew valley i started making like lists oh god i gotta do this that and i'm like <gasps> it's stressing and I, am out. i procrastinating my work with virtual work <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost never played Stardew Valley again afterwards because it <laughs> sent me down a whole rabbit hole. But yeah, this is another conversation. We can have this in, in another uh, context. I have a lot to... We can talk about this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, which games did you like uh, grow up with, Leo? 
Um, so I, my brother was always sort of the, the one who played all the games before me. And then I, I joined in, um, which also made me play shooters really early, which my mom always hated. Like my brother was in this group of, of guys who were super good at Counter-Strike and he was playing that. And then I, as a 10 year old was playing Counter-Strike or something. Um, (laughs) can I just please share that i was just thinking i want to hear one person come with that story and say yeah i was really into shooters and my mom was like super happy about it <laughs> leah would have been the person with the story we read earlier <laughs> yeah. are you sure you want to play those kids games leo <laughs> look at some real games <laughs> loser <laughs> um yeah and and one fun fact I think, which is the glory of, I think, my brother's um, being a brother. It was it was his most glorious moment, is that I was playing Halo uh, for some time. And then I was, I was getting really good at it. And I, uh, he had some friends that were in his class. Um, and I was beating his friends that were like four years older than me. And he didn't really know how to feel about it until he found out that my name, Leonhardt, Uh, the anagram for it is Halo Nerd. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then he was so satisfied with his whole life. It was, I, I like he didn't care anymore that I was beating his friends. He found this thing where he could like run me into the ground with. It was it was amazing. <laughs> oh my um, god! Halo Nerd. This is so funny. <laughs> So spot is on. that now your online like nah. uh, gamer tag? No, I'm, I'm like I've I've played the new Halo a bit, but it, I didn't really like it that much, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, w- I was into shooters a lot, but I think the games that I really really appreciated the most were like Guild Wars and uh, the Elder Scrolls series because I I love sort of these uh, Im- immersion games like where the I mean the music. Eh? What can I say? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was always really, really my thing. Like I, I still love like as well, what Jonathan mentioned nowadays, D- Disco Elysium is, I think for me, a new way to get immersed because you don't have the mechanics that, you know, for, for 20 years already that are still the same, but you have new mechanics that, um, draw you in again and allow you to, to understand new systems, which is fun. And then at the same time, really enjoy the world through the vibe and the music. To maybe, yeah, like get back uh, a little bit more to the um, businessy side, because I, I wanted to ask something that maybe is a conundrum for you, because if you knew the correct answer, then you would probably just do it like that. But what I was interested in is, and we talked about this before also in person, This um, thing where now if you do music for games, obviously now there's like lots of people who do or want to do music for games. So you told us about like how you went on Reddit and offered it for free. And then um, there's this, like you said, this composer email that uh, like every studio feels like you're bombarded with that like list of, people who want to offer their music. And to me, this is a really fascinating like dynamic in a way because it's been that way 
since I can think of working in games. Like uh, when I was working at Black Pants, it was, I mean, for for the first game, they had this really cool idea of like looking out for bands specifically and, and doing a soundtrack for it and then also having the bands earn from it. So they approached bands that they liked. So I, I thought that was a really cool soundtrack like idea. Uh, but how do you see this? Like there are people who make music, there are people who need music, but then there's this like huge, like how do you filter out like who is good? Obviously then many studios already like worked with somebody, then why would you change that person? So how do you feel about that dynamic or, or how do you see that going in like terms of, <laughs> like uh, explain how your business works because we never had actually somebody here who does music for games. Hmm. I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, briefly, I think it takes a, the sort of working relations we have with teams that we know and that trust us and our ability to create the music, but also trust our sort of instinct and style. Those are the most valuable that we have because um having that sort of freedom to to work in your own you need a lot of like of your own space i think to make really good music um because you need to like enter this world and you need it really helps to have people that trust you to enter that space take some time for yourself and they know you'll come back and they'll love it <laughs> i think that's uh what the teams that we've been working with for a while what makes them so yeah, necessary for us i think Uh, and from there, they recommend us to people. It's a lot of like mouth to mouth people yeah. talking to each other and giving our contacts. And then um, I, I think we had an enormous luxury with uh, with Twirlbound, the mm -hmm. team that we did the first project Pine with, because they, you know, as Jonathan said, they trust trust us inherently and and really show this constantly to us. Um, so we. We started with that, and I think then once we started looking for other projects, we were like, oh, this is a cool title, and we want to kind of work on that. But I think we then really quickly noticed in these sort of conversations or calls that sometimes you just don't, like, you don't have that feeling, which we were used to with Twirlbound. And I'm super thankful for that, because then you we really quickly realized that it's more about the sort of personal connection and that you understand from each other what you're trying to do and what the space is that you need. Uh, I think if we hadn't started with Trollbound and this luxury, we might have had needed a longer journey to understand this and to, yeah, to, to get off from this, oh, we want to do a cool project with a cool name thing. How would you describe your style in like do you do you have a like i guess it's it's also like a technique question in a way but do you do you say that each of you has their own style and then there's the tumult collective style or can any of you like also like emulate another person's style of your of your group or uh, talk a little bit about that uh, asking from the point of view that i know from a, an artist's perspective like you can basically if you are good enough then 
teach or imitate uh, somebody to, or like, yeah, teach somebody to imitate your style or somebody can learn that if you're good enough in a technique sense that you like, you can reproduce somebody else's work. So it is acceptable in the, in their style. So how do you uh, think about that in terms of creating music? Um, I think you can always, like I could describe Jonathan's style, I think for sure. Um, and I think it's also, you know, with this commercial music thing, we always, always learned really to copy others, uh, because you always get sent these things and they're like, Oh, copy this. So then you start understanding that copying is not that hard. Um, but then again, um, it, if you want to do it sustainably, you need to, to be able to do it from a natural place, what we discussed earlier. And I think that's what we, uh, for each other, we, we try to build a space where we can access this and where we can find our natural place of creation. Um, so I think we, yeah, we have a special situation where we don't try to imitate our each other or or uh, what the other does and not try to focus too much on what the other two are doing um, but always produce from this sort of natural natural sense if that makes sense I think mm. it's also similar to like if you like what we did for advertisements there's like one spot and everyone pitches their idea their musical demo for it and then they pick the one they like and we sort mm. of have like a similar process here in house i think where it's like everyone has like their musical sensibilities and their talents and then you relate it to a project and you try to find like a style or a voice for a project that's unique to that thing and that really supports what they're trying to achieve and then every one of us has sort of like this phase where they try their hand at it and see what they think works and then we sort of present that to each other and instead of like picking one thing we see like okay this element that this person brought to the table is really cool and we can mm -hmm. take it and develop from there and i think that's like if everything goes ideally for us that's sort of the we hope to like sort of achieve a spiral there that really um fuels each other like you hear something that someone else made and you're like oh that's such a cool idea that really works with what i had tried to do here and i'll try and incorporate that idea there and through sort of this process of um inspiring each other we try to um, like focus it more and more like okay cool this is an idea that I would have never had but I can use it here and then maybe these two other ideas that I wasn't so sure about I can drop those and that um, I think makes us able to find something richer than we would if we were just on our own always with our yeah, own yeah. ideas <laughs> yeah exactly and and I think that's it, it feels a bit our our philosophy as as tumult collective where um you know we want to make a soundtrack for a game which which sounds as if it has been developed over a longer time like as if it could come from an artist whose sole thing is to make this style of music Ooh, so we want I to like we that. want to have like music that is really really developed um because we feel like it you know people in games often accept the fact that music for games uh sounds somewhat i don't know sometimes it can sound haphazardly sort of uh 
oftentimes it doesn't. But I I do feel in film music can sound more developed sometimes. And but that's also I think in film I have for me a lot of film music is very formulaic. Like yeah, it's been done for so long. They work with temp music so much, and then there's such a reliance on sort of like symbols of music that people recognize, which is super effective, but not necessarily interesting. And I think in games, because it's still younger, and a lot of the developers maybe don't know so much about music, but also their ego <laughs> isn't as inflated as maybe with some of the big uh, filmmakers. Um they allow us a lot of space to try our own stuff. And I think that's what makes it super exciting for us to try yeah. and find something unique there. And and I think that's really the nice dynamic of being with the three of us that you can make a really developed uh, sounding sound, I hope. I mean, I'm not saying all these things, but that's what I hope, you know. That's what we're aiming for. And that's what we're aiming for. Um, because I you think can... that's, a, that's such a great pitch, by the way, just because you joked about it right now. I, you need a vector, right? Like that, that you're aiming for. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and this is, I really, it really, like, I was just kind of listening. And when you said the, oh, we, our goal is to have music that sounds like it's, we would have worked much longer on it. I think that's such a great <laughs> ambition as well, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, just commenting because you joked about it. No, I think it's super legit. Yeah. It's such a good, good pitch, I think. Yeah, and and, and it, I think it only works because you can cherry pick these ideas from each other and and incorporate them. Because if you're alone, you know you would need more time to iron out certain things that don't work yet. Maybe it's also harder to come up with new ideas. I think because yeah. like you, you come project after project, and there's always like new inspiration, of course, from the art and the concept and the gameplay. But it's so nice to just have like three people that generate ideas and then the, every new idea that comes up like opens new doors in your head as well yeah and sometimes w- one of us is is more prone to having fancy ideas and then another time it's someone else and then you can build on that and yeah you always have a, a good balance between each other which is really nice you know because if you're alone of course you have ups and downs and it's super nice that sometimes when you have a down in, in your output that someone else can fill that up and you could sort of tag along on that. Yeah. And that, that's like a conversation, like I, I'm getting real conversational vibes, right? From what you're saying, like for me, I, because my primary art form, let's say is conversation. I do a lot of podcasting, a lot of conversing in my private life. You know, that's where I'm very creative and you you, you've, you've, you know, that's what you do around music as well. Right. Mm-hmm. You're like, here's my little bid on um, what I feel in the moment is like, what do you guys think about that? And then that's good. You know, one plus one plus one, you're, whether it's conversation, music, comedy, it's all, you know, going off what the previous person said in a, in a, in a meaningful way and in a, uh, and trusting each other. And mm-hmm. uh, I was wondering, we don't often actually on here ask for advice, but for this whole episode, I've been having this impulse. So, um what you know coming from this school you went to uh from all these like kind of goal oriented behaviors let's say that we discussed a little bit to now uh yeah being a pretty well established music studio for games um for anybody whether it's in music for games specifically or or games um who might be listening to this who wants to know what to do which is always a bit of an arbitrary question but you know what 
I feel like you have a pretty good like set of experiences on successful actions. What would kind of your advice be to somebody who, who wants to make it or wants to achieve something or yeah, whatever the <laughs> entry point is on that. <laughs> I think like from, from my experience is super important to um, do a lot and through that, find the people that you really love working with and that enjoy working with you. And I think like building on that will, yeah, you don't always need to like look for the big names, the big projects, but look around the people like maybe in your school or maybe there's another school studying game design or teaching game design where there are people that you can work with that are on your level and that you can grow with together. I think that's super valuable to build those relationships as early as you can. Yeah, I think it's uh, some people from our studies, including me, sometimes really started uh, shitting on it. Um, but the, the 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 longer time uh, passes between my studies and 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 the now, I realize how valuable the the personal connections were and this context um, that makes you feel in place somewhere. Um, so I, you know, in the beginning when I got this question, should I study music or should I just go do my own thing? I, you know, I still say it depends, but if you're like me and you're really, you need context, uh, it can immensely help. Even if you're, if you're a lone wolf, it can, it can really be super helpful. Like all of the connections and and things we did come from this network of this this one study you know mm -hmm. and even that we like have us to rely on and we know each other super well yeah. and that gives so much um direction as he mentioned earlier as well like we yeah. know that we can rely on each other and that we're working to this goal together and that i think gives just a sense of security and sort of yeah if you can find people with a similar goal um that's really really Yeah. and what do you say you guys are working like towards a goal right now or is it more like that you have found the process and you're just kind of dancing around this the center around this being together doing together or are you guys like approaching a specific goal together well we talked about this with with our coach uh because she was sort of um sharpening our our sense of togetherness a little bit by you know checking what each of our individual motivations are and yeah i think we we always had this shared goal and we did put it into words a bit more now um and i think it 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 mostly comes down a lot to to authenticity as well where um We really want to each of us speak truthfully in music. Um, like we want to do music. That's that's our individual needs already. Um, but together, I think we we just found partners where we know that together we can help each other speak in a more truthful musical voice, basically. So. Um, We can share the load, the, the financial load. We can support each other in the things that we're bad at um, or good at. And in that way, make space for sort of creative development and make space for um, finding 
yeah, finding your own voice because we we don't only want to make music for games, but we're also on the side, always sort of trying to have space to uh, for our own musical dabblings, basically. Mm. Yeah, which I think are important as well too. Yeah, and I think the studio is going to be a big um, changing factor for us as well. Uh, having more people, I think, will be super exciting. More people to talk to and see what everyone is up to. And um, that's been a big project for us as well, like arranging everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the plan, I mean, we talked about it in the beginning, but so how much space do you have? Like how many companies, individuals are you planning on gathering in that place? Uh, seven parties or we have seven rooms and then in total we're taking up three rooms so that's one party and then we have four other rooms to be filled so in total five parties basically um, all right and uh, did you already find people or are you like still looking how's the <laughs> progress going on that no we we already found people it went very fast mm -hmm. um I think, yeah. Booked out. Booked out. Ah, um, nice. Yeah. We we had this, every time we spoke to it uh, about, or about it with someone, it, it went super fast. Like within a day, there was someone uh, on our doorstep, basically virtually, that wanted to, to have it, which makes sense. I mean, in the current Berlin uh, situation, I think it's it's really hard especially in music, to find rooms that are um, properly suited for the purpose. And so the people who will come there, can you share a little bit without, I mean, you can, but you don't have to mention names or, or companies or whatever. Like, what fields are they from? Is it all music? Is it games? Is it ping pong? Oh, what do they do? <laughs> Uh, so uh, I don't know. I don't know if we have it fully confirmed yet. So, but uh, Happy Broccoli Games are one of the studios that uh, will be joining in a room, which was super shout exciting. out. Yeah, big shout out. Um, we've been hanging out with them a lot, and it, I don't know. I think it'll be really, really nice to have them as neighbors, and that's what I was really hoping for. Like have people in other disciplines in the rooms next to us as well. So we can like, sometimes you're done with music and you need to talk about something else. And then that gives you energy again and just new ideas. Yeah. So really excited about them. Yeah, exactly. I, I was really, really happy about that as well, because I mean, it's cool to be with people in the space only that only do music, but, um, and I didn't actually consider it that much to to ask them or ask others in other fields um because i thought like oh what I, what do they want with this like super isolated uh booth that we were building in each room um but then they mentioned it themselves and i was like super super excited um because of what jonathan said um because you have this cross-pollination our coach <laughs> would be proud right now because that's a word she was sort of pumping into our heads all the time it's um, really funny because you said something very early in this episode and i'm like why didn't he use the word cross-pollination there that would have been the perfect <laughs> word and here it is very nice did yes. you receive a business coaching at some point simon uh no i business coached my myself and i <laughs> hammered the word into my head myself <laughs> also great uh, word to describe what bilianet 
is all about. Mm. <laughs> oh, bringing the industries together. Obviously, this is the games uh, part that we are talking, but obviously uh, MediaNet is in all the other fields <laughs> of media and uh, digital uh, industries. So, of course, yes, we are happy that music people come to us, music people who make games, uh, music for games, games people come to us who need music for games, uh, and so on. So, Shout out to the people who pay my salary. And, I mean... <laughs> yes. And Great. this happy broccoli thing is a result of Medianet. Just want to say nice. that they're coming nice. into uh, our, our place. And yeah, the other rooms are, are um, musicians and sound engineers. Guys, cool. this sounds really good. It sounds like <laughs> you have money in the bank and wine in the tank. <laughs> I was just gonna think: Is he gonna make that whole? Uh, is he gonna say the whole title? But yes, he did. Heck yes! Heck yes! A well, pneumatic press. Uh, who, who comes up with your song titles? <laughs> I saw this. On that one. <laughs> I saw this. Um, uh, sorry, what did you say? Mostly Leo on that one. He had like okay. a, he had a good yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was. I had a day of of great titles. I don't know where that came from all in one day it must have been a good day for a chardonnay um yep. you know i saw in my research which i did of course prior to the episode far uh, in the past when i uh pondered not 10 minutes before um i uh, stumbled upon this track list and i had a big laugh and now <laughs> this game is in my steam cart Nice. So, um, okay. yeah, 100 days is what we're talking about, for which you guys made the music and uh, looks yeah. really cute. A little bit of Stardew Valley energy. We like wine, but these song titles, man, <laughs> these song titles. <laughs> they sell games. Um, shall we begin wrapping this up? We have some uh, essential questions for you, some quickfire questions that we like to ask. Sure. Um, and then... Uh, we could wrap it up unless somebody had something very important that, that we forgot. Um, I know. No, I think, oh, I wanted to say one thing about the advice, uh, which I'm always super keen about, which, which sort of connects to something I said earlier, which yes. is uh, uh, advice to, to people is embrace the things that you suck at. Um, because uh, when you, like with this piano thing that I couldn't play piano, Uh, that I was really bad at. Um, I always just loved finding out the older I got that this made me be better at other things that people are not that proficient at because they've spent time honing this piano skill, for example. Um, and I thought when I saw other people in our studies, I thought it was so super valuable and important uh, thing to realize that whenever you're bad at something and you compare yourself to the status quo and you realize like, oh, damn, I suck, uh, then there's always, always something else that you are then good at because you do spend your time thinking about things in your brain and working out things. Um, I had this sort of theory that I know it doesn't work, but I think because I played so many RPGs, I feel like whenever... I feel like, oh, this person is, I don't really like this aspect about them. I'm thinking they must have really put all of their points into something else. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and the points are maybe like time in this case, like how you invest your time is what you train and get good at. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I just want to, before we start with the, with the essential questions, just say one more time in day because I think that's important for me to <laughs> say, say, say once that. more. Yeah. <laughs> once more. Enschede. <laughs> so nice. Oh. <laughs> We could do a whole podcast around this. ASMR Enschede podcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there he's Simon Enschede. said it as well, secretly. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Okay. Okay. Um, good. Good advice, I think. Compare yourself to yourself yesterday. Not uh, to the others. I think you found that on a list of <laughs> inspirational <Edmund>. quotes. No. <laughs> no. Couldn't be. Okay, speaking of that, um, we have 10 and a half, 11 questions for you. Um, and I will begin. Are you ready? Yep. Question for you guys What inspires you? How do we do this? Do we just go uh, one by one? <laughs> Go first. One each, and, and you okay. can go like super fast or super something. Fast. No, no. I say yeah. uh, unique and authentic expression. Uh, same and vibey moments, sort of uh, moments in time that have a very specific atmosphere. Nice. What would you say is the purpose of your being? <laughs> food, eating food and making music. <laughs> yeah i think um eating food and making music in a, in a, in an authentic way i would love eating authentically no i mean eating uh, can you stop always saying just the same yeah yeah i always i, I got all the answers okay okay i'll find i find i found a different take on it um i think authenticity Uh, finding authenticity not in only in myself but also in in things i consume uh so you know when we're talking about eating food finding food that um uh, someone made from their from their soul nice, nice. soul food <laughs> what is a beautiful day to you uh, uh one that starts with a big breakfast <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one where I, hmm, I, I guess I made great music. It's really one thing that always makes me happy. So cliche. I'm sorry. That's what it is. That's Deal with fine. It. Hey, these are simple questions with potentially simple answers. <laughs> that is good. What is the change you want to see in the world? Oof. Well, that's a simple question. Um, <laughs> More, more loving. Yeah, more loving, and mm, I think again authenticity. I'm I'm coming back to it a lot. Um, you can just give the same answer to every question. Oh, you can yeah, also of course. also dinner prices, <laughs> hey, but a different thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Now the question is: How do you contribute to that? Um. Yeah, but I guess in this game context, you know, uh, finding teams where you can do that with, express yourself with what we said earlier, nice loop back, um, 
because then you can create a product together which strives away from the sort of oh let's take a formula and repeat it until everyone thinks that they only want this formula um which which happens in in tv shows or something in my opinion a lot like i i love older tv shows as where they didn't discover a formula yet and there wasn't like producers that said oh but now you need a cliffhanger because uh we got to make more money um and i think that's what we how we want to com contribute to this authenticity by finding partners that see the same thing and then put that into the world yeah and music is always like i don't know it's always about sharing as well it's about ego i think sometimes but ideally it's about sharing and that's that's the laugh <laughs> nice nice when do we switch flow i forget Well, it's still your questions until question number seven. Ah, I see. Um, if you would start a new safe game in your life right now, what occupation would your new character have? Oof. So would I start right now? I would wake up and... Or do I start back at, at uh, zero? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling more like, you know, you, you, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, for me, it's kind of the same because it's like, You start a new game, but then you already know the game, kind of like. So uh -huh. you can like think ahead a little bit. And hmm. you're, you're, I'm really happy know. with what I'm doing. But as a kid, I always wanted to be a marine biologist. <laughs> and go like <laughs> as deep down in the ocean as you can. I think that'd be my alternative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the other change I would love to contribute to is is more like the the, the happening in an environmental uh, sense. And maybe then that which my mother put me off from <laughs> doing, which is sort of environmental studies um, mm. and maybe we could politics. Hang out, hang out in the ocean, Leo. What? We could hang out at the ocean. You study the ocean and I'll bring up shells from the bottom. <laughs> Sounds like a great creative partnership. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then last one from me. Um, do you have any books that you like or that you'd like to recommend maybe like to give to people um yeah maybe one each two each whatever you however much you have one book that i always liked is a uh, hundred years of solitude i find oh, wow. that very enchanting <laughs> it is it is it's so funny yeah i love the writing and sort of the magical realism in that and sort of yeah the way reality is Give him a nice little spin. I find that very inspiring. Uh, yeah, I love ooh, anything, not anything, but most of the Hemingway books are really, I, I really like them. Um, the one, what was the name again? The Sun Also Rises is, is really nice. Um, but the most famous one, I forgot the name. Can you guys help me? Oh, old man by the sea or something? No, right? no. For whom the bell tolls. Uh, also, that one is really good. Farewell to Arms is really good. Um, the, 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 what's the German name? I think I just read the German one. That's why I know the German name. Anyway, where they drink a lot of wine and uh, with the with the bull fighting. Um, that one's what's really so nice, nice about the Hemingway? I've never read him. 
Um, I think what I said earlier, uh, what what inspires me is this moments in time that have a really specific atmosphere. I think Hemingway manages to capture that incredibly well. Uh, you, I always had a very strong sense of the world he was describing. Um, and that's what I really love about those books. Mm. Okay, thank you. Gives me a bit of a inspiration. <laughs> Over to you, sir. Yes. Yeah, so uh, what are your favorite games? Also, one or two each, maybe. Do we want to say it in, in unison, Jonathan? <laughs> are you just going to say same again? <laughs> <laughs> nah. Okay. One, uh, two, three. Disco Elysium! I think that's been... Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Huge inspiration for the yeah. last years. Yeah. Really love the way the storytelling is done. And apart from that, Slay the Spire, I've been playing a lot as well. Oh, so good. <laughs> Slay the Spire. <laughs> nice. Uh, who's somebody from the games industry? And I guess you can also like make it the broader games industry, if you will, uh, who you would like to get to know. Maybe, yeah, the guys from from Disco Elysium, but I I feel like they're just into their own vibe and they they're jamming away. Um, maybe we should leave them be. Uh, <laughs> Don't disturb. I, I was the thinking Disco about Elysiums. <laughs> exactly. Thinking about the guy that did uh, Tiny Wings. Oh yeah. I think he's probably fascinating to talk to, and I wonder what he's doing now. He's probably still making stuff. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, as always at that point, I don't know if you guys already know this and have prepared for it, but uh, there's a trap uh, in this, which uh, part of GamesNet Berlin Europe, as you know, end of MediaNet, is to connect people. <laughs> so uh, I will have a challenge or we will have a challenge to make that happen, like make a wish. <laughs> so we, we hope to connect you to, to them. <laughs> over the over the whatever amount of time it will happen oh, awesome <laughs> so at one point you might just find an email in your inbox saying meet x cool. actually the the uh disco elysium guys i should have an old contact from them because they were at in the arena booth when i was working there and i think i wrote one or once or twice to them uh because they are from Estonia and I always wanted to get them to, to my uh, games convention in, in, in Vilnius in Lithuania at Game On. Mm. Uh, yeah, haven't spoken to them in like forever because you're actually right. They are very in their own vibe, I felt. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, will, I will try. Um, yes. Who is someone you know who you think we should have on this podcast? Does the, do they have to be uh, German uh, Medianet associates? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, of course not. Jeez. <laughs> okay, no, this, just, is this is uh, not a. These are not paid actors. Okay, <laughs> you would know. <laughs> well. One person we've you been You better having, say the right? people I already wrote on the list <laughs> I gave you. Um, we're going to risk it all, Jonathan. I have. Uh, the, yeah. There's a guy that has a spati on our street. 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you need to understand this is games in Europe. <laughs> Does he have any connections to games? I don't know, but I don't know he's much sick. about him. Yeah, he's I don't I would love to hear him talk. Yeah. Is he a special but, type of guy? He's a special type of guy for sure. Yeah. Uh, he always wants to get get he, he one time heard that I have a, a SAS, like a, this instrument, a stringed instrument, and then since then he has been harassing me to give um, him my SAS in exchange for a, a crate of Berliner Pilsner. <laughs> well, that will never fly. That beer is incredibly bad. Sorry if that... Hope I don't, you know, uh, destroy any me no, and any Berlin here. connections. No. But everybody knows, right? This is just <laughs> not the beer to trade with. Yeah, I think he sees it all. You know, he sees people buying all types of beer. So he just he's he's over that. I think he's over beer preferences. He's a meta okay. <laughs> <laughs> meta beer trader. Yeah. Interesting, uh, interesting source to have on the podcast for sure. But yeah. I think oh. uh, we've been having a lot of fun with uh, with Joel Schoch. Who's the the composer for um what's the name? Far. Far sales. Oh nice. Yeah, he's super yeah. cool. And he's, also uh, Matthijs from uh, from Twelbound. Yeah, absolutely. Would mm. also be really, really fun. Yeah. Our, cool. our hero and unofficial manager and uh part of making this all possible. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And cool. and Joel Schoch is also a, a, a someone who has a lot uh, to say and uh is a fountain of uh, of words <laughs> of youth of no, youth well. <laughs> fountain of words. All right. So, uh, where can people find you? Meaning, not where do you live, but online. Uh, our website is probably the best uh, place to find us because it's so cool. We put a lot of energy into it, and it's tumultcollective.com. And also follow our Instagram for all of your... Oh, yeah. We need more followers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we will put all the accounts in the uh, notes for the show as well. Cool. All righty. Thanks a lot. That's a wrap. That was fun. That was fun. Thank you, guys. That was fun. I, I really enjoyed the dynamic of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How's the, the two... How, how's that? Yeah. Two people setting for you. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's quite fun. You know each other very well, so I think uh, it's it's cool that you like. Uh, it, it sometimes feels like talking to one person, but then also you differ in other points. So I I found it very interesting to talk to you. I feel like we all talked and came from a lot of relaxation and natural creativity, honestly. So <laughs> there was no like, there was no yeah. I felt very chill about this. So yeah, I enjoyed it too. Thank you guys. Cool. Thank cool. you. Cool. All right. <laughs> see you uh, next time on the podcast uh, to our listeners. Uh, see you soon in person to our guests. Uh, and uh, yeah, have a good one. Goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hi there. Simon here. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear here and you would like to hear more here, feel free to follow or to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you get your audio fix. We appreciate you and we promise you to bring you many more insightful conversations with fantastic games industry guests from Berlin and from all over Europe. Thank you very much and see you very soon. Bye-bye. Hi there. Before you go, this is Florian, Project Manager for GameSnet Berlin Europe. 
If you want to stay connected to the network, find out more about upcoming events and links to other MediaNet initiatives, you can visit us at gamesetberlin.eu and subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and until next time.